Welcome to CN Lee Talk Cold Cases. This podcast covers crimes that may be disturbing to some. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to CN Lee Talk Cold Cases. I'm Christina. And I'm Lindsay. We'd like to thank you for your patience as I took some time off last week. Rest assured, we're back and ready to dive into these cold cases. Yeah, and I'd like to give a big shout out to listener and a good friend, Bree, for helping out last week with the corrections from the episode um, that the tribe that Tamara Keepness was from is Soto and not Cree, and the pronunciation of it is Muscalpitine. So, Christina, what are we going to talk about today? Today we'll be traveling to Gainesville, Georgia, and looking into the case of Elaine Nix. I ran across this case while scrolling through Listverse and wanted to find out more, so now here we are. Uh, Details of this case were found in an article in the Gainesville Times, a forum on Reddit, a site called Eleven Alive, and Elaine Nix's memorial Facebook page. Links, as always, will be included in the show notes. So, Jacqueline Elaine Nix was born on December 17, 1980, to Becky and David Nix. She lived in Gainesville, Georgia, and was a typical 90s teenager. She enjoyed being with her friends, talking on the phone, and like a lot of teenage girls, she liked talking about boys. Her mother said that she loved frogs and that there were frogs everywhere. To this day, whenever she sees a frog, she thinks of her daughter. So... Elaine enjoyed talking with her boyfriend, Billy Millwood, on the phone. He lived about, it looked like it was about 30 miles away in Cleveland, Georgia. So, I don't know how many of our listeners are old enough to remember this. But um, in the late 90s, cell phones were not a dime a dozen. And most teenagers did not have one. And long distance fees could be pretty insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's exactly the case when it comes to Elaine and her chats with her boyfriend. So after a high phone bill, her mother blocked long-distance calls. This prompted Elaine to make the trip to Zach's Food Rack. It was a convenience store that stayed open until midnight, and there was a payphone outside that she used. And according to some of the sites I was on, it looks like that payphone is no longer there. Oh. Yeah. I I know the times. Yeah, I noticed that happened... At the station I used to work at, we had a payphone for the longest time, and someone came in one day and asked if we had a phone, and I told them there was a payphone, and they're like, there's no payphone out there. They had come, like, in the middle of the night and taken the payphone out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, so on September 20th, 1999, Elaine made an hour-long call to her boyfriend from the payphone, and phone records show that the call ended about 1 a.m., and she never returned home after that call. So, at first, there was no need to panic. Elaine was known to hang out with her friends and stay with them for days and just kind of disappear for a while. So, while there's initial worry, this type of behavior wasn't strange or out of the ordinary for Elaine. Typical. (laughs) Typical teenager. Typical teenager. You're 18 years old, get a little independence. Yeah. You know? Um, Her 1986 Toyota Celica was found in the parking lot by an officer passing by around 2 a.m. According to sources, the hood was still warm and the keys were in the ignition. Some of her property, such as her purse and cigarettes, were still in the vehicle, but her address book was missing. 
Mm-hmm. So, her mother went to the convenience store in search of Elaine the next morning, but only found the abandoned car, which still had not been moved, and no trace of her daughter. At this point, Becky went to the police and reported her daughter missing, and the search began. Again, since its behavior was typical of Elaine, and despite the fact that she was missing, family and friends were optimistic that she would, as always, return when she was ready. So now we're going to get into the search. So, yeah, in the search, security tapes from the store were reviewed, Um, people in her life were interviewed, and, like, the cadaver dogs and the, you know, search dogs, they were brought out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So in the Gainesville Times, it was said that it was believed she was due a check that she never went to pick up. I guess later that week, she didn't go to pick up her check. So that was when, yeah, the optimism gave way to understanding that something was really wrong. I'm not 100% sure where she worked, but it sounded like her family said that she... Had a check coming, and again, this is back in the day, you didn't really have direct deposit and everything, so you would yeah. have to physically pick up your check. Yeah. So, um, Elaine's body... <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. You good? I'm good. Okay. I'm leaving that in. Oh. <laughs> Elaine's okay. body was found on September 29th, 1999, so nine days after she was... Initially missing. Um, She was nude and in the woods near an industrial park. They never found her clothes, but her jewelry was still on. So authorities thought that she had been dead for six to nine days before being found. However, yeah, the bad part is, um, due to the decomposition, an official cause of death could not be determined. Sadly, her body could only be confirmed by dental records and tattoos. Oh, jeez. Her death was ruled a homicide, despite the fact that during the examination, there were no signs of any sort of physical harm. Like, they couldn't find strangulation or bullet wounds, uh, stab wounds, nothing like that. They couldn't find anything. Um, Which was most likely because of, you know, the body sitting out in in the elements and whatever evidence there was is probably long gone. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah, they do believe her death was sexually motivated, but um, lack of, but the lack of evidence to determine like the who, the why, the how of the whole situation, um, it, there's just no real way to tell what happened. Um, it's believed that her abduction occurred shortly after her phone call ended. Someone was watching her. So it, it, this is what it kind of sounds like. Um, sources say that video surveillance shows a dark pickup truck driving up during her call. It's not clear whether or not this truck or its occupants were connected to the crime. Um, so I'm guessing if there was some kind of movement outside that truck, it didn't catch that. Um, some believe it was random, that someone was just waiting for the opportunity. Others believe the killer knew Elaine, seeing as none of her jewelry was taken. Um, there was speculation about the boyfriend. However, he was ruled out as a suspect. So, before we get to the theories, any questions? Yes. I'm just kind of 
my mind's reeling because it's just like I just said that it seems she someone was watching her following her knew where she was gonna be and you've got to wonder like did she know like did she know who this person was or right whatever yeah and it, it's it sounded like this you know going into town and making this phone call it sounded like it was a pretty routine thing for her so yeah. that's another that's another thing like you were saying was it somebody who was watching her was it maybe somebody who knew that this was her behavior like knew her you know that's uh, that's why you got to take and change up your routines yeah you never take the same walk home never never make a routine yeah. that someone can watch you from and, and that wasn't really something that um, I remember them emphasizing too much back then. No. I mean, I'm sure they did in some cases, but as a teenager, you're not aware of that kind. You're not aware of that kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah, you do absolutely. what you're gonna. I did the same thing day in, day out. I took the same routes to where I was going, um, and. Yeah, it's it's scary to know that people will sit there and watch you and figure out your moves. Yeah, it's 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 terrifying to be a woman. Yes, it Let's is. Put it out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, into the theories, and there's there's mm. a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said before, uh, there was speculation about the boyfriend, but he was ruled out. I believe a lot of it comes from the fact that it looks like after the murder, he was arrested multiple times due to drug charges. So I think that's Ooh. kind of where a lot of the speculation comes from. Yeah. And I can understand the boyfriend being a suspect or being looked at as a suspect, at least in the beginning. They always look at the person closest mm -hmm. first um but this is my opinion here too he was also on the phone okay. with her and lived a good distance away so if they pinned her abduction um as happening right after the call then it would be impossible for him to drive down to the store and commit the crime mm -hmm. i mean that doesn't mean he couldn't have had someone carry out the dirty work but since no. he was ruled out, I can s probably safely assume that the police didn't find this to be the case. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if he had, even if he had wanted to, I think if he had driven out there, by the time he got there, she would have been home. Yeah. You know, she was on the phone with him. It wasn't like you had a cell phone and you could talk while you were driving. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. It's such a weird thing to think about that. Like, how much it's changed. Uh, Where you could be... You would tell someone, you know, you, you'd go to the mall and be like, Hey, meet me back at Center Court in 20 minutes. Right? And if your parents weren't there, you called... You went to customer service and you got them to page them. <laughs> yes. And I remember... So many times, like... I would have to call my parents collect to pick me up from practice when it was over. 
<laughs> yes. And you'd call collect and you'd be like, they'd be all like, what is your name? Come pick me up. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's just not feasible without the cell phones. Yeah. You called his home, so it's, it's not feasible. Yeah, In, in my opinion, and I'm sure in the opinion of the police officers. Yeah. So, um, in 2005, David Nix, who is Elaine's father, he informed the Gainesville Times that someone, um, witnessed four men taking Elaine from the convenience store. He didn't disclose, pardon me, the name to the news outlet. Uh, he did inform police, so I'm not going to say this is a shady issue, and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. it's more of like a privacy issue. Um, yeah. He was very... He very likely gave that, like, all that information to the authorities, but didn't want to publicly name names. Um, I wasn't able to find anything about who the suspects might be or whether or not the police found any credibility to the claims, but uh, yeah. I, I knew a lot of people were faulting him for not naming a name. But, but to be fair, that's his choice, you know? Yeah. I, in case he's wrong. Exactly. You know... And and I get that. Yeah, and I think Gainesville is kind of a small town. Um, From what I was looking at, it looked kind of, kind of small. So if you name someone, and I mean, you you know how small towns work. Absolutely, grew up by one. Yeah, rumor mill gets started, and everybody's going to go after this person, and it might not even be the correct information. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, in 2010, both Becky Nix and Elaine's longtime friend Jennifer Boyd allegedly received identical letters about the case. So I, um, I'm quoting this from the Reddit post, which I will include in the show notes. Um, so it said the letters were supposedly a confession from a local affluential businessman and portrayed information the night of. Uh, information regarding the night of Elaine's disappearance and ultimate demise. Um, It was stated that three people were hanging out at someone's trailer and decided to head out later that evening and drink beer. So within this time, they saw a young woman at the payphone. They approached her and offered her money for unbeknownst reasons, yet she declined. That's when the three individuals abducted her, but afterwards it's not clear what exactly took place. Not only that, the letter contained locations to where police could find evidence proving these claims. But the sheriff's office declared this to be a hoax, saying none of the information in the letters match the current facts of the case. Oh, that's, that's, you know what, that bothers me. Because that's, you know, it's, it's giving family hope of her, like, knowing what happened to her in her last moments. And this is possibly some person just wanting to get some fame off of this disappearance and death exactly well it's like um last week or two weeks ago now in your case with the false confessions yeah yeah it's it's heartbreaking you know you're giving this to a family who just wants some closure and you're only hurting them further yeah exactly so yeah since the letters there's been no new credible information um, there were a few posts and notice on Reddit and other comment forums, like on the articles. Mm-hmm. 
Um, some were claiming that the police were involved and covered it up. Uh, there was nothing oh, I could... Geez. Yeah. Which, I'm not gonna say that never happens, because it does yeah. all the time. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was really nothing I could find corroborating those statements, other than, like, speculation. Um, uh, that being said, the murderer could very well still be on the loose, living among them, or someone who has long since left town. Um... I know we do have a lot of, um, like, the the truckers that will travel up, like, a certain stretch of interstate. Yeah. We've had a few serial killers like that, and it could be part of that, or it could be someone she knew. You know, they just, they don't know. There's no way to know, and any That's usable... That's so sad. Yeah, any usable evidence was practically destroyed when she was left out so we don't know there's no way yeah. to find that oh if only you know unfortunately if only the dead could speak exactly um elaine Jeez. would have been 39 today and every year her friends and family gather at her gravesite to remember her you know, at least for the family, they have the closure of the body. Like, they don't have the answers to how she passed, but at least they have the body that they yeah. can, you know, they can mourn and stuff like that. Exactly. And I there was one article, I can't remember which one it was, they talked about, you know, if they can finally catch this person, then instead of going to mourn, they can go to celebrate that they have closure. And the person who harmed her is gone. And gets the justice they deserve. Exactly. And, you know, she does. She deserves she deserves justice. Her family deserves answers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, this unfortunately, it's another case of, you know, it's 1999. So technology's a little bit yeah. better than it was yeah, maybe about 10, 15 years prior, but it's still pretty primitive. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, so, you know, like I said, there's still that truck that we don't know anything about, and yeah. who knows, even if they had caught a person on camera, how grainy that picture would have been. Oh, yeah, because even, you know, even security cameras now yeah. aren't, unless you got the high Wi-Fi, dickety-doo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fancy i just made up a word <laughs> dickety doo <laughs> but it, you know that's the thing is if you don't have the top of the line security cameras or something like my own personal security camera yeah, yeah. it's great but you can't make out facial features exactly and it's that's always, the thing they, there was like do you know this person and it's like pixels yeah and you're like yes yes i've seen the movie pixels yeah exactly <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of hard. And like I said, it's it, sound like, it sounded like it was like a rural little town. So, yeah, everybody kind of knows everybody, but their security is probably a bit more, I don't want to say more lax, but it's probably not as up to date as someone who has that access to high tech. Yeah. You know. Yes. But, um... Yes. Yeah, so if you have information on this or any of the other cases that we've covered, uh, please use the links in the show, mo 
show notes to pass these tips along. In Elaine's case, you can contact the uh, the Gainesville, Georgia PD's tips line at 770-533-5873. Again, their website and information will be in the show notes. And I, I looked at the website, and I'm not 100% sure if you can submit online, like mm-hmm. through text. Um, but that's just because I'm technology dumb. Yeah. And I'm sure if you click around, <laughs> you might be able to find something that I, I've missed. Sorry um, that I laughed at you calling yourself dumb. It would just kind of... <laughs> I, I can be pretty technologically not advanced. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. Good times. Um, mm-hmm. So once again this season, we're donating a portion of our proceeds to the missing and murdered indigenous women, both USA and Canada. Help us bring justice to those who are so often overlooked. Links to the organization will be in the show notes. So thank you again for listening, and be sure to join us next week for the case of Michaela Bali. Did I say that right? Yes. Michaela Bali. Bali. Okay. Bali. All right. So anything else? I think that's good. So until next time. See you then. See you then.